everyone, my name is Kira, and together with Chris and Gaddy, we bring to you Big Country Discovery. On this channel, we explore blockchain technology, NFTs, cryptocurrency, and give you insight into Big Country development. Big Country is building an application that provides Metaverse as a service. Anyone can use our platform, and within a few simple steps, they can be along their way to building their own Metaverse. A Metaverse is essentially just a digital world. It is an online place where people can go to learn, they can earn, connect, build, or do business. BitCountry will be building metaverses that are built by the users for the users. It allows community members to come in and create 3D worlds without any coding knowledge. So on today's episode, we have Josiah. Welcome, Josiah. Josiah is the founder of MetaRock and currently based in Outback Australia. He is a pioneer across two very contrasting industries, these being the Web 3.0 space and also opal hunting industry. Josiah, would you like to please start by introducing yourself and just giving us a little bit of background about how you got into the opal mining industry? Hey, how you doing everyone? I started mining, opal mining about a year ago. Uh, my grandfather and my parents mined in the past. The world started shifting and I was like, you know, there's one adventure I haven't done, so I'll head into the outback and start looking for some gems. And um, yeah, so I've been here now over 12 months. And uh, yeah, I live fully off grid and uh, yeah, I participate in Web3 ecosystem uh, quite actively. And yeah, I'm trying to bridge the gap between the two worlds. Nice. Before we jump into the question that I have, can you explain a little bit more over hey, users before we had the opportunity to chat? Can you explain to them what being off grid means so they understand oh, okay. a little bit more yeah, of yeah. your adventure and they get to know you a little bit more? <laughs> okay. Um, <clears throat> Yeah, so I live off grid, and uh, yeah, so I live uh, my I live in a tiny home, and that's powered by solar. I live a long way from anywhere, uh, <laughs> so um, yeah, I'm just in in like literally outback Australia. Um, that's the that's my crow, my um my rooster <laughs> telling me that the sun's about to come up. Yeah, so yeah, I live completely off grid, um, and yeah, I participate in reusing stuff and whatnot, um, and trying to live sort of a minimal sort of lifestyle, minimalistic sort of lifestyle. Lovely, lovely. I love minimalism. Yeah. Don't get married if you want to keep that minimalism lifestyle. Yeah, it's really hard, man. It's really hard. Yeah. I mean, like you got, yeah. the, you got the view, you got the vision, but still, it it it's uh it's hard to uh, implement it. Yeah. Yeah, that's right. Okay. Aside from jokes, can you tell us a little bit more? What is the process, uh, or how do you go through the process of? Okay, you find the opal, and then you go and sell it to the market. Yeah. Well, so coming into opal mining and as a as a newbie, I guess uh, a lot of my um, like a lot of the miners are quite old. Like I'm the youngest miner in at least. 2,000 kilometers in a radius. So I've come with this, like, how do I start doing this and how do I do this in a modern world? Now, a lot of the people here, they just have, um, they just do cash trades, cash deals and don't have a phone. The The process is like, we'll find the, the opal in the rough form. So it looks like a rock, like a, you know, with colors in it. So it can be sold in the rough, it can be cut or it can be put in a jewelry and then sold as a piece. So there's um, three levels and there's middlemen in, in between all of these levels. It's, it's quite a journey, like you have to be an expert on a lot of levels, like, you know, finding, you're dealing with equipment, like I, I mine underground and I uh, got a whole bunch of equipment that breaks down and then you find the, the stones and you got to sell them or cut them and then cutting it's a whole process in itself and then have contacts to sell it and there's a, there's a lot of hands in, in the, um, yeah, in the logistics of the uh, industry. 
I can imagine. It reminds me of the Uncut Gems uh, movie by <laughs> Adam Sandler, I think it was. So yeah, I haven't seen it, so I'm gonna have to put that on the uh, on the list. Oh really? Really? Yeah, it, the, the Opel was actually uncut, uh, so it was a little bit of a trouble for him. Quick question, sorry. How big is an Opel? Is it like the size of a fingernail or are you looking for a big uh, rock? Like, what are you looking for? What does an Opel look like? Um, it looks like a lot of different things. Like, it can be, can be, they can be big, you know? If you, I mean, if they're big, they're good, you know? Because, <laughs> um, but yeah, they can be all sorts of ranges. Um, I got one, one specimen here. Uh, so this here is, can you see this there? That's a bit hard because I've got the background on it. But um, yeah, so this here is a, a piece in the rough and it's a quite a nice little specimen. And yeah, that, that one is actually uh, the, the first uh, opal I've, I've put in the metaverse. But um, cool. yeah, so in, in its raw form, um, you know, they're quite beautiful. And if you like raw things, they're beautiful, they're appealing. Um, but jewelry people like to, um, yeah, refine them a lot more and, and, and cut them into, you know, into different shapes. Yeah, there, there was a bit of a trend that everyone had like, you know, round opals, but now the sort of uh, more abstract sort of shapes are coming in more um, freeform, they call it, uh, which I think is a lot, uh, it's more authentic. Um, it's a nicer sort of, uh, yeah, design, a way of cutting stones. Yeah, they can come in any sizes, you know, um, and, they, and people use them for lots of different things. Awesome, Josiah. Hopefully we'll have a chance to see some more of those opals today. They are absolutely beautiful. And isn't Australia, especially where you are based, you're renowned for the best opals in the world. I mean, they're quite spectacular. Right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Australia produces between 80-90% of the world's opal. And, and particularly where I am, we've got a really creative style of opal. Um, so it's we got like we had it's called the yawa nut so i'm in yawa so a lot of times we've, um well, opals found like in a crystal type shape i'm oh, not crystal type shape so in crystal it's just a, like a, a clean either white or a black opal which is a crystal with a black backdrop um but yeah we get matrix and that's like intricate very like it's it's a bit hard to describe i do have a video that i will share oh that's stunning seeing it now yeah yeah so this piece this is an arty piece like it's like a picture stone yeah like these are uh, the, these type of opals are only found uh, where i am um and that consists of like maybe 30 40 kilometer radius and, and and what draws me to these particular stones is that they're just unique they're like uh you know earth's natural nft you know they've got all all of them are completely unique even if you get one and you slice it in half you'll and you got like a copy on either side like they're a mirror image of, them, of each other. So they're completely different. And that's the beauty of these stones is they're so colorful, bright and unique. And it's not like diamonds where you've got, um, you know, one one like stone that looks like every other stone. They're just, they're just buried in weight and, um, you know, the facets where opals like a, yeah, completely unique stone. And that stone, um, you know, it's it's unique to the holder. And a lot of times the, the, the opal picks its person, I guess. Um, or people are drawn to a particular style of opal, um, a particular pattern. Uh, it's quite funny to watch. It's, yeah, people. Yeah. It's amazing. Amazing and the variety as well is just phenomenal. It's phenomenal. Now, um, I also just want to go back into yourself and your history. You're so well-traveled. You've explored different careers and now you've got opal mining to add to your, to your hat of feathers. You know, and I can tell that you've got an entrepreneurial spirit and passion inside you. Now you've recently founded MetaRock. Can you tell us about your journey into finding 
MetaRock and also discovering Web3. So first discovering Web3, I entered the space around late 2016, 2017. And then I, I, I dived pretty heavily into it. The crash happened and then I sort of like, I backtracked a little bit, you know, like, oh gee, that was a bit crazy. Like what just happened? Then yeah, I, yeah, I went offshore, started um, traveling again, like, cause I'd, I'd run a company previously, an engineering company. And and yeah, I just sort of went through this this phase of, of, of you know, trying to work out ways I can bring Web3 to, to my space. And, you know, as, a, as an entrepreneur and as a businessman, like I was looking at a lot of like, logistics and how we can have real world application. So like, how can we utilize this tech in, you know, I'm, I'm a hands-on type person and how can I use this tech in, in a hands-on type way? And then yeah, that, that led to, like, I was really interested in VeChain for quite a while in that space. Um, and then slowly, you know, found Polkadot and then started diving deeper. I got, uh, became a, an ambassador for Darwinian Network and then started seeing a lot of what happens around behind the scenes. And I got to a point where I was just, like I had this idea, I just wanted to sell my opals in the metaverse and there was no way for me to do it. It was like, there's ways, like you can create a Discord channel and and manage these, you know, connect people like that, but it's really primitive. Um, and it's not, and it doesn't pay me. I mean, it does, like, it's not, it's, it's not autonomous. It's not, it's not, uh, it's complicated. And then I just decided to uh, start building. That's quite the journey. and. I think like you said earlier on a little bit about how there's so many different um, middlemen or processes in the ways that you go from finding the opal to actually turning it into um, like money, right? Or an income for you. So I want to know like, so obviously drawn to the Web 3.0 space for, for that it could kind of revolutionize or modernize your sort of archaic industry. You said you're there with lots of older miners and you're looking at new novel ways to sort of bring these opals into, into the world. So how do you think that Web 3.0 will be able to cut out the middleman? On my journey and like I'm in this, as I said, I'm in this space where I'm quite young. Uh, comparison to everyone else and then trying to solve this work this problem of selling an asset in the metaverse I've realized that it's not just me you know this you know eccentric type person in the, in the middle of the outback that wants to sell his rocks it's everyone wants to sell something and then in that process there's the ability to go straight to the consumer or straight to the um, the end user anyway and in that there's a huge amount of efficiencies so um, what what we see as an open miner, we might um, pick up find a find a, an opal, and we might sell it for a hundred dollars. Um, most of the time, the, the buyers will try and knock us down like fifty percent, sixty percent, you know, because they know that you know we've we've only no one's got phones or internet, and then they'll go and they'll ten x that. This is this is normal. Like they'll go and they're looking to sell that same stone for you know at least a thousand dollars possibly $2,000 and that's this is I mean yes they've got overheads they might be in the, the middle of Sydney or you know some or in Germany somewhere and because uh, we get international buyers that come here and, and and they don't communicate that they get their stones from us that much like or they won't say who they bought them from like the opal miners name because they don't want to expose where they came from so they cut so they you know people can can go direct to the miner so there's all these um, gaps in the chain and and us and as miners, we don't get to know who they sell it to. And we just we just know it goes for a high price and a substantially high price. And, and we don't see any of that. And meanwhile, there's hardly any open miners now because um, the money's not there and it's really hard work.
And yeah, and I think that by closing this gap, by allowing uh, you know the miner to, to have his voice heard and have that story shown to the buyer, uh, one, it adds value to the end product, knowing that you know the story of the of the opal miner. Uh, to the story of the stone, this is valuable. Like, um, you know, where did it come from? Was it ethically mined? Was it mined with, uh, you know, on renewable basis? You know, like what, what what depth was it found at? You know, like the, all these sort of things. And you know, it doesn't have any like, um, like siblings, like the other uh, the, the other stones that came with this stone, because you can cut multiple stones out of one 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 rock. And uh, yeah, and I think all of that adds value. And not just that, this is the same problem that lots of businesses face. So it's not that this is a, an opal, a, a, a business for opal miners. This is actually a business, this is actually a, a solution to all businesses that are, and artists that want to, to carry on their story to the end user or to the, um, the person purchasing the product. That's amazing to hear. You mentioned two important points. One is, or actually three already. The first one is that the opals are unique stones. The second is that, well, an NFT is also unique. It has its unique hash and it can be always like traceable in the blockchain by its uniqueness. And third, the story behind that specific asset, because at the end of the day, as you are willing to sell those opals in the metaverse as NFTs, I think you will get into more details a bit later, I hope. It brings this value. People can understand the story behind the stone. And as you said, the opal might find its user or the user might find the correct opal based on the story. Like, oh, this story looks really nice. I want to have that specific rock. Apart from that, good news is that BitCountry's uh, platform will offer you the possibility to add that story in the description, in the uniqueness of the NFT. How else do you see BitCountry, BitCountry's marketplace helping you with your open mining work? So yeah, I started building um, a space in BitCountry um, in the test nice. And um, yeah, I'm, I'm hoping to recreate my mind as best I can. So there'll be a, a virtual space that people could, if they wanted to sort of like see, like, you know, I live in a bus, you know, a converted bus into a tiny home and we're mining underground. Like I really would like to get some visuals on what like so where, where an avatar can go underground and just have a look and have it like quite real. But uh, yeah, we'll see. But I think the the unique experience that um, Big, Big Country offers is that, you know, um, whatever, community you're trying to build um you have that that ability to display that and on a on a, on a level where uh, anyone in the world can participate in that community and yeah i think that like you know the metaverse it's a really exciting times so i'm i'm very pro decentralized and i'm pro like being you know in charge of of your own choices and and, and data and all the rest of that sort of good stuff so yeah i think that it's it's, it's very exciting space it's got a long way to go but it's awesome and I, yeah big country's really given me that ability to display that to my community like i'm only just building a community just starting now but yeah i'm going to have a place where people can visit and and have a look and i have uh 3d opal there that people can have a look at you know and i think that's um 
that's the start. It's just another step of more, you know, more interaction. And that's what our communities need. It's a perfect way to showcase the true utility of NFTs. E-commerce is more competitive than ever with more shoppers going online to purchase. We also believe that Web3 acceptance will be driven by e-commerce and that concept of Web3 e-commerce has the potential to expand the current acceptance of Web3. What's important, you mentioned it earlier, is building a strong community. It will definitely be community driven. And you also need to make sure that not only do you build a strong community, but you add the value, which is something that you've kept you know, front of mind, but also making that consumer journey as easy as possible. Because with anything new, people tend to give up if it's hard and you can spend a lot of time creating a beautiful storefront in the metaverse, but you lose sight of the consumer journey and the value add. The, the use of NFTs that will bridge that gap between physical and digital worlds in Web3 is powerful, but we also need to put impetus or, or focus on the full journey. Just to go back to the Opals, NFTs will offer the Opal buyers proof of ownership and legitimate um, authenticity. And so that is the value add. But if a, a buyer purchased an Opal as an NFT on BitCountry, how would they receive the tangible Opal? What is that consumer journey looking like? Yeah, so I guess that's the problem that MetaRock's looking to solve. So we're, we're working with Kilt Network, on decentralized IDs and KYC. And also we're building a um, contract messaging system to allow people to exchange contracts and and, and trade. Um, and this is just, so it's all done within the, in, within the wallet, the, the, the crypto wallet. So um, I think that I've only just come across this recently. So on the journey, I at the start, I started associating MetaRock with e-commerce or decentralized commerce, but I associated decentralized commerce with e-commerce. I just recently, I realized that there's a massive difference. And the difference is that e-commerce is funneled through one centralized party and that centralized party, let's say Shopify or Alibaba or, you know, eBay, let's say, you know, they've gotten big because they've had access to open data and that open data is, you know, they've got access to, to this, the, the consumers and, and then it sort of creates this sort of draw like this sort of uh you know like a black hole like that's where the buyers are bang but uh the difference with uh web3 is that that data you know people can own that data and that um people can be self-sovereign and therefore it's it's more about what the people want to be a part of a certain community or they want to have a certain story or they want to be able to show that amongst their peers in web3 so i think that there's a there's a big shift that's going to happen i'm not sure how that's going to look but I do know that decentralized trade is more than just e-commerce and it's about me and, and anyone trading with each other on a peer-to-peer -peer basis like you would in the marketplace when you're going to buy some fruit or something or, or you know, the fish markets and you want to, you know, you're doing peer-to-peer -peer trade there. It's not like you're going, you know, it's, it's completely different. And I think that there's going to be gateways that allow web, there is gateways even now, like um, that Shopify's coming on to using different gateways to allow their e-stores to have access to NFTs. Um, and I think this is just one way. However, I think it's not optimum and it's not in, uh, it's not to the benefit of Web3 or nor is it the benefit for the uh, storeholder because they're, they're, they're getting tethered to Web2 and accessing Web3. Well, I call it Web2.5 because they're not even getting Web3. They're just getting an NFT. So um, I think that when people start becoming 
go through that Web3 revelation and they realize the power of Web3, they're going to be looking for to have independent and, and do business uh, yeah, self, in a self-sovereign way. So yeah, on, on this journey, like we've uh, we've looked at like all the problems and a lot of the problems. So what we've come up to, solutions that we've come up with is um, third-party logistics, and that's uh, exists now with uh, drop shipping. And so yeah, what we're doing is we're working with a uh, third-party logistics company here in Australia, looking at how we can integrate signing of contracts with these third parties so that they can ship assets. I guess that where this is important is is as a DAO, you can't uh, handle these logistical challenges. Like if you've got some hoodies that say and you've got, you know, big country hoodies and it's okay, you're selling them in the marketplace, but then who actually who actually puts them in a package and and puts the, the name on it and sends it? Like, this is a big problem because, you know, it's okay being a part of the community, but you know what, this is all digital and, but how do you do the physical? There's actually hard work that's associated with, you know, shipping and, and managing inventory and whatnot. So yeah, we're working with third-party logistics companies to close that gap and to do this so it can be all done in a decentralized manner and allow that peer-to-peer trade to happen. So essentially you would, you can make a sale and that can be shipped, you know, automatically. And DAOs can utilize this tool to put merchandise out to their community members and that digital uh, counterpart that they would have purchased the NFT that can be shown, you know, amongst their digital peers. But, you know, if, for example, on the hoodies standpoint, they've got a digital hoodie and that's cool for the metaverse. And they've got a physical hoodie, which keeps them warm. And that's the beauty of it. And the best part about that, the best like that Web3 is not only do you get both these two cool things, you know, you've got a uh, timestamp on when the asset was purchased and you can offset that against your crypto and you know the receipts receipts on there on chain you know um that's actually another another solution that we're working with um uh automated accounting systems so that this is all captured and expressed in accounting software like web2 accounting software thank you very much asai i think you've really uh, touched on a really interesting topic there about the data capturing and how important it's not just a physical item like an opal or it's not like an nft but it's actually all of the information that goes with that physical or digital item so i think we're moving from the web 2.0 space to the web 3 space is the technology of blockchain and that is essentially a way to immutably capture all this data and it's a held on a decentralized ledger. I have a question. How do you think that sort of the blockchain technology and management of your own data and consumers or customers at the end, how do you think that is going to be able to maybe even reduce some costs or streamline your business? You said you're now able to go peer to peer, but are there any other ways that you will be using this data that is now available to be captured immutably moving forward by using the Web3 space? From a sales standpoint or from um, like tracking assets i think both i mean you also mentioned beforehand you were interested in v chain which is a tracking of supply chain and then i guess also the sales part of it where you're like okay you're able to actually figure out where where your markets are and it opens up that exposure you now able to know who are your consumers where your target marketing should go whereas previously you have to go give it to the person and you have no idea where that might be ending up so yeah there's like i mean there's a lot of analytical data that spins off the back of you know blockchain we're, we're going to be capturing a lot of data. I don't know uh, how in depth the data is going to be. Like maybe there's, because like really like we're so used to exposing our data freely that we, we, we can't really comprehend. Generally, we don't know actually what's actually being captured. If anything, probably what do is like a little bit more, you know, incognito, which, which is not that good. But because if you're a seller, you want as much information as you can, like, you know, you, 
talk about toothbrushes and next minute you've got toothbrush ads coming up on your phone. So I don't know, we'll have, we won't have that sort of um, information, but we will have timestamps on assets, change of prices over through time. I don't know if particularly we'll be opening up the, like what countries buy what product. Definitely sales trends in regards to like collections and how fast they sell. You can see there's a lot of data, but I think it's gonna be, the data is gonna be better like for, for everyone, because the the points that probably aren't gonna be captured at the moment in time, um, they're the ones that really people should hold on to. Like, you know, I, I don't know, I feel like it, I feel like uh, Facebook is a bit intrusive and I think there's a lot of things that, that happen on there that, that shouldn't happen. But I think that the blockchain, like the limit, there are limitations to blockchain, like at this stage anyway, and I think those limitations are good. Like, um, like, you know, decentralized ideas are amazing. To be able to like allow platform access to your information as a part of you deciding that you're going to allow this particular person or this particular platform access to your credentials. I think that's very amazing. There's a lot of exciting things that are coming from it. Definitely exciting things, a little bit like uh, hard things, especially because you are kind of bridging to kind of different industries that or some might be related for some they might not understand what is the relation and that's what you're actually trying to build this relation between a technology with uh, your business which is the open mining as a founder of meta rock apart from the things that you have mentioned are there any other big challenges or what have been the biggest challenges that you have faced building a startup from the outback in australia Ooh. There's a lot there. <laughs> you can mention just the, the top three um, biggest. You know what the biggest thing is? It's like daring to just believe that anything is possible. That's the biggest challenge. Because like I'm sitting here and I'm thinking like stereotypically like, you know, I've picked this lifestyle and, and I'm okay with this podcast lifestyle. I picked it, right? And I'm going, oh, you know, if only, you know, I was in the Sydney, in Sydney or in the city, I could do this, you know, I could do it better. And I was having all these thoughts. And then I realized that, you know, that's not, that's not, that's not it. It's not that at all. If anything, you know, I, I get, I've got this window through my computer to speak to very specific people. Uh, and those specific people are very influential. And that network effect from that specific person is very powerful. Actually, being in a city, there's actually more noise, not, not just like, you know, what you can hear but I mean like in a lot of senses you know you've got a lot of uh, things that are distracting you from focusing but yeah but daring to believe like think that you know one like you know no one knows opal opal mining is like non-existent you know like it's a dying industry and how does that work how you there's such crazy differences and how does it do it how do they go together and then just going oh you know what stuff it I'm just gonna do it that faith that there, I think, has been the biggest challenge into to stepping into that space and just believing that it's going to happen. But from a more practical standpoint, you know, I've got like, uh, I've just gone from, I've, I've, I live on my mind. I've got, I live off grid. I'm running on a generator right now because I've just been raining for two days. <laughs> so this morning when the sun didn't, wasn't up and I was like, damn, my battery's very low. I'm not going to enter into this call with a low battery. So I had to go <laughs> in the mud and get my generator and get the fuel and get that sorted. And then, the, the, you know, the sun hasn't come up and it's cold and wet. And 
And you know, this, this isn't normal, you know, and there's silly roosters crowing and it's annoying me. And um, yeah, so th this is a harsh reality, you know. Um, also too, like when I'm open mining, I have breakdowns, but you know, like I, this is, this is web three, you know, and I can, uh, I don't have distractions. People come over for, you know, coffee and scones and stuff like that. They distract me, but, um, but that's a good distraction, <laughs> but I don't have, like I can really focus on things. Yeah, there's definitely a lot of challenges. Like, you know, I'm, yeah, dealing with equipment, uh, tech issues. Uh, but yeah, I think it all comes back to just like actually believing that this can all be done. And once you've sort of realized that it can be done and then it's sort of just, it's just a means to an end really. You're living the dream. You're such an inspiration. And if there weren't any challenges, it would almost be too easy. It makes it interesting. And, you know, someone who is an entrepreneur and who's followed his dream and his passions, you've, you've really let yourself dream big. Do you have any words for of wisdom for anyone else that would, you know, any of our listeners or viewers who would like to enter the Web3 space and they're wanting to get started on their own business? Do you have any words of wisdom or things that you've learned along the way? I think just do it. Just do it and um, and just don't hold back because like if you want to get into like a decentralized commerce or whatnot, like then I invite you to connect with me and then start building a bit of a community around there. Like, you know, at the end of the day, it's all us, everyone here in uh, the Dotsama ecosystem specifically, you know, we needed to build that community and, and for it to be strong and support each other. So yeah, I, I yeah, open anyone to reach out. So I just think just do it, that's it. We're in this space where no one is an expert because it's just rapidly changing so fast if you shut your eyes for 30 minutes like you're you, there's a new you're outdated you know like it's just moving so fast so you just could be flexible enough to just go with it and be like cool all right is that is that what's happening now okay let's you know and um i think they're not 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 be afraid to to be wrong and do something wrong like um like uh, we've been building out for over eight months uh metarock and it feels like in a lot of ways we've we've hit so many walls and spent months doing things that are going the wrong direction but um that's that's just that's the nature of it and don't be afraid like just do it and even if you can't do it you can't financially like you know hire a developer or do anything just start learning or just start giving community support you know yeah i think you just gotta just dive in and how can people reach you Josiah? yeah just through twitter and then uh, you'll find my telegram channel through through my twitter account um the link will be in the description below. Thank you very much. I know that there's going to be a few messages coming into your inbox. And like you said, you're, you're an open book and you're encouraging everybody to just get started, no matter what their idea might be. It's usually the hardest part is starting. And I think you've definitely given us a lot of inspiration and in showing us that you can really do anything. And sometimes taking yourself into a very quiet, remote spot allows you just to focus all of your energy into building actually what is great. I mean, I think I heard that Bill Gates used to go uh, into his little office for three weeks at a time just reading by himself just to educate himself so I think when there's peace there is a lot of thoughts and a lot of progression that's made I'm very excited to see what MetaRock will grow into and I'm definitely going to be keeping an eye on our platform to see those opals I uh, also want to see this uh, mine I've I've seen pictures on your Instagram and it looks like I do encourage everybody to check out Josiah's Instagram it will really put into context what he's been talking okay, about yeah, right yeah. here I mean I was impressed it's, it's, it's like you're literally out there and you said miles yeah. from nowhere and you've got yeah. all this massive machinery looking for these 
tiny, tiny rocks. And you've brought yeah. that passion into this Web3 space of passion <laughs> and bridging the gap. And I think it's, it's really, um, yeah, you're, you're making waves, which is which is awesome. And talking about things that people in your industry typically don't usually talk about. So I'm really excited to follow along on your journey. I know I'll be uh, hitting that follow button and uh, definitely keeping an eye as, as you progress forward. You're only just starting, which is really exciting. Yeah, yeah, definitely very raw stages, but there's a lot of momentum building. So uh, yeah, yeah, keep yeah, keep keep in tune. That's for sure. Thank you very much. So anyway, thank you for joining us on your Starlink from your tiny house and your remote bus and the roosters crowing and all of the stuff and whipping up that generator this morning. We really do appreciate it. And I know I really enjoyed uh, chatting with you today. I've learned a lot about two different industries and it's always nice to connect with people who are trying to be pioneers in, in this space. Um, and then I think that's all that we have for this week of the country discovery. So thank you uh, for the listeners and viewers to watching us. Uh, don't forget to like and subscribe. And also you can find your size details down in the description below. So until next time, thank you. Cool. Thanks, guys.